Welcome to the Hopecast. We're glad you're joining us this week. Here we have conversations about finding life. Welcome to the Hopecast. This is Nicole Eunice, joined by David Dwight, Senior Pastor of Hope Church, and we are here talking about faith and uh, theology. It's funny when you say theology. I don't think people... Like, we just talk about God and how we understand Him, and leadership and relationships. So... Um, in the spirit yeah. of all of those things. You know, usually you say, and we're back. And we're back. Well, I usually say that after we've recorded one. So this is the oh. first in our afternoon. Okay. So I will so say, and, back yet. so next week you'll hear me say, and we're back. And we'll then be you'll We'll be back know. in a little bit. <laughs> we'll be right back. Um, so anyway, we are, we just want to take a little pause from our normal programming um, to honor Billy Graham, who today on the day we're recording, he passed away today at the age of 99. And, um, you know, sometimes David, I think that people in our, when we are with people who are current in our culture, it's very hard to know the impact that will, they will have really had. It's almost like you need a hundred years from now to be able to look back. But there was something about Billy Graham that was a little bit different than that. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of why, um, he's been important to you personally. And then just sort of the impact, I think in our world, what we can learn from him. Well, for sure, time and sort of our age will have a lot to do with our familiarity or engagement with a certain person. Um, people who are younger, if you said, who is a really significant Christian leader figure Mm -hmm. in your life? Um, you know, I don't know, people might say somebody like Francis Chan or something like that. Um, Billy Graham is, uh, for sure to me, kind of my number one hero of the Christian faith of a person who's lived in our Mm. lifetime. And there's so much about him that I appreciate and admire. And, uh, we can talk about that. I have said, my wife, Elizabeth has heard me say it many times. Uh, I've said to her, I'm going to be really sad when Billy Graham dies. Mm -hmm. And I do feel that way because to me, Billy Graham had a uniqueness in terms of his character, his consistency, the simple but incredibly significant way he spoke the message of life in Christ. Mm -hmm. And he never wavered from the core of his message He was contextually relevant in the different decades of his ministry, but the core of his message is timeless, and Mm -hmm. he never wavered. And to me, the core of his message was, God loves you, Mm. we're sinners, and we need a rescue. God has offered us this rescue in Jesus Christ, and if we repent and come to him, we have eternity with God. Yeah. That's the gist of the core of his message. That's timeless. Yeah. That that was essentially the message in 50 A.D. Mm. that the disciples were giving when they knew that Jesus was raised. And it was Billy Graham's message in 1950, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, and in the 2000s. And it was remarkable in its clarity, its, its unapologetic clarity, mm. 
And he had this incredible combination of a kind of compassion, Mm -hmm. but uh, an unwavering, uh, he was not reluctant to talk about, we are sinful, we need a savior, God loves us, and he's offered us Jesus. Well, I mean, there's many, many people in those, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people who are ministers in that time frame of Billy Graham's life, who I think would also say intellectually, that's also the message. But what was different about him? Why, why was it? Why is it remarkable to you that there was such clarity and consistency? I've listened to many of Billy Graham's sermons. Mm -hmm. And um, to provide a little bit of background, when I was in college, and I was going through this big spiritual search in my own life, Billy Graham came, uh, I was at the University of North Carolina, and Billy Graham came and he spoke five nights, each of the nights of the weekdays. Mm -hmm. And I went to hear him three of those five nights. Mm -hmm. And I did not respond by praying to receive Christ in one of those five nights. Uh, It's Well, the three that I went, but they were very significant Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, Billy was also, he, he spoke more clearly than anyone about this idea of receiving Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't trying to say Jesus is um, like he is a customized personal Savior for you, like a consumer order Savior. Right. But he was very clear that responding to Jesus personally, uh, not just by sort of sitting in church, mm-hmm. not just by hearing about Jesus— um, responding to Jesus personally was core to what it means to be a Christian. Yep. I think he spoke to that in ways that were different than uh, probably anybody else with the kind of clarity and consistency he did it. I also think there's so many little interesting points. Like, like how about this? Billy Graham has spoken in person to more people than anyone in human history. Stadiums. Really? Oh, I mean, you know, wow. think of the yeah. the years when Billy was doing crusades and night after night after night, and he's filling stadiums with 70, 80,000 people. Yeah. Night after night after night. I think so, I saw something that said like 135 million people. Right. Over the course of a lifetime in person. In it, person. It says 2.2 billion via radio, television, and web. Right. That is unbelievable. I mean, just it's a number you can't really comprehend that one person in their lifetime would. I mean, right. what a relentless call. I mean, it, what a passion, really. The urgency, to me, the, the lack of wavering from the urgency. Right. Um, but even though it was stadiums, and of course, if you were one of 80,000 people in a stadium, you didn't have uh, an opportunity to speak to him or sure, shake his hand. Sure. But nonetheless, I do think it was important to Billy Graham that it was personal. Mm-hmm. We're in the same place. And, of course, he did lots of TV evangelism and all that kind of stuff, and many people responded. But just this little metric, which is, in all of human history, how many people have lived in human history? Right. Like, you know, whatever number of billion, Billy Graham spoke to more people in person Mm. than any human being that ever lived Mm. in human history. Like that in its own right is a towering reality. Yeah. And then he was an advisor to a dozen presidents. I don't know exactly how that started as far as that entry point into American politics, but, 
The other thing that's interesting is that despite that level of advisory and sort of counsel, he was totally nonpartisan as far as I understand it, other than other than in the area of racial integration. He did not he did not take sides um, well or speak politically, I should say. Yeah. So one of the things that I would say about that, this is this is my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Billy Graham's highest interest was um, knowing God, helping people know God and live in a relationship Mm -hmm. with him. And so he was able to make his social or political views secondary to that. Mm-hmm. It's actually an interesting question for people to ask. Yeah. Um, I think this may be a little risky to say. I think there are many Christians where actually their social and political views are more important to them to the, than mm-hmm. their faith. They wouldn't say they are. But if you just sort of looked at the emotional commitment to these matters, Mm. I think there are many Christians for whom their social issues or political views are more important to them than their faith. I think where Billy was um, distinct is that it seems to me clear that his faith and helping people know and live in a relationship with God was most important to him. He certainly had to have had lots of political views. But he didn't seem to feel that that was what had to be his message. Mm-hmm. So that would suggest to me that he was driven by a message that he considered more important, more significant, more impactful, more social change oriented. And I think for Billy, it was the gospel. Well, and the, and to that point, the interesting thing about the the new the way the news makes the point about him being involved in integration was that it was specifically about. When he came for worship services, he required churches to allow those services to be integrated. So it was actually in the middle of the same priority. If the priority is on people hearing the gospel, then the place he acted was to keep, make sure that people could hear the gospel. It Mm -hmm. wasn't in the government realm necessarily, that sector. Um, Although so many people who have had influence, political influence, were so influenced by him. To your point, if the gospel is the highest call, then how that works out in your life and how God calls you to the work he does, he was interested in that that aspect. Well, and that would create a very interesting dynamic, right? Because I think Billy Graham, who uh, had personal relationships and was in the presence of... um, the the people who our earthly valuation systems would call the most powerful, mm-hmm. I think he respected them, but I don't think he was in awe of them. Mm-hmm. I think he was in awe of God. And this enabled him to interact with these people as human beings, and he knew that they were human beings, mm-hmm. and he knew that they had personal lives, and he knew that they had personal problems and concerns. And so he he actually, I think, pastored mm. a lot of presidents and other world leaders, not just U.S. presidents. And one of the reasons he was able to do that was because I don't think he was in awe of them. I don't think he revered their yeah. power. I think he revered God's power, but I don't think he revered their power. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a whole other topic for Billy Graham to me is just character. Mm-hmm. Uh, his life absolutely speaks to an incredible um, expression of character, Mm. Um, do the right thing, uh, be wise and be mindful of your example, how to be vigilant and seek to protect yourself from uh, big character failings. I think for people who are a little bit close to learning about Billy Graham, it was well known that he would never 
uh, spend time alone with a woman who wasn't his wife. I mean, a colleague, a lunch, he, he wouldn't do it. Um, when my understanding is that when Billy Graham traveled, which he did all the time for many years, he always had a guy who was a member of his staff as a roommate. Mm-hmm. Like, so Billy always had a roommate. So you're staying in hotels and traveling all the time. Yeah. Um, he always had a roommate. And that is so smart, right? But you could say there's a million reasons why a guy of his stature would say, hey, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a 50, 60-year-old man. Yeah. I really don't want to have to share a room with someone. Mm-hmm. Well, he saw that there were more important things mm-hmm. uh, that he was about mm-hmm. than some of those personal types of, of things. So to me, the consistency of his message, the clarity of his message, and the integrity of his character – make him a tower um, that shines with such incredible longevity. Mm -hmm. And I do think he, this, maybe I risk overstatement, I do think he is one of human history's most significant people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, think about that. Like, I'm thinking, do you really want to say that? One of human history's most significant people. Yeah, I think I would say that. How would you, how do you think a historian not a Christian necessarily. How do you think a historian would characterize his life knowing what we know about the facts of who he reached? What would they, what do you think they would say about who he was and what he did? Yeah. Well, my guess would be in the next 10 years, we'll probably see Mm -hmm. a few very uh, large biographies written Mm -hmm. about him. And some people may have written, uh, he wrote just as I am, which was sort of a combination biography, autobiography. Mm -hmm. Um, but I imagine there'll be some really big tomes that come out that are biographies mm-hmm. about him. Like any biography, the angle will depend on the author and right. his or her views of Billy Graham. Um, you know, I'm sure there would be family members who would say, hey, thanks for all your respect. But, you know, he was human. He wasn't perfect. Right. We get that. I mean, nobody's expecting that he was perfect. Um, but in those large scale elements of impact for me and in my sense of people and leaders he did it as well as you could do Mm -hmm. it as a model of christian leadership and a person who is passionate about helping people find life hope new life forgiveness restoration and heavenly hope Mm -hmm. in christ Mm -hmm. what is it like when you think about as we're reflecting right now what are a couple of takeaways for you that you're like, this is what I'm inspired by since you're a minister? You know, what What are you inspired by from him? Um, I'm not sure how to answer that other than to reiterate. I mean, the things that I'm mentioning are things that yeah. I'm inspired by. Um, the clarity and the consistency mm-hmm. of his message, mm-hmm. the way that he um, makes it understandable to mm-hmm. people. Um, Billy Graham... Um, never removed what what ministers would call the offense of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, he never softened that, and <clears throat> he was very clear about it. What do you mean? Like, describe what the offense of the cross means. The offense of the cross, um, sort of simply put, is you and I are sinners, and um, without repenting mm-hmm. before God and asking for forgiveness through Christ— mm-hmm. Um, we don't have salvation. Yeah, A lot of people would say that's offensive. Don't call me a sinner. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. I haven't done the big things. And, uh, you know, that's another conversation. What is sin? But um, 
the offense of the cross is he did not relent from saying, you and I are sinners and uh, we need to repent of our mm. sin and ask God for forgiveness through Christ. Right. That is a humbling, that's an invitation to humility. And the offense of the cross is that depending on where we are in our own journey, our own pride mm. is offended by being told that we're sinners uh, without hope except by repenting and receiving Christ's forgiveness on the cross. Right, and sometimes that's masked in don't tell me there's only one way, don't tell me you know the way. So in addition to the offense of you're a sinner, there's also the very clear message of Christianity, which is that Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. So right. it is a the kind of religion, and in our age of tolerance, that right. feels very intolerant to make it that clear, but right. he somehow did it with such humility and affection. I think there was a affection to his or a compassion for right. people that came through um, in the midst of that humility and simplicity. And it's hard to be simple when you get a lot of years of experience. I think that's actually a temptation yes. for leaders. I also think, um, you know, Billy Graham was, <clears throat> he wasn't the first, but he was one of the earlier people to kind of take his ministry over the airwaves, mm. which of course can multiply the number of people who have heard you or heard of you. Um, and it can multiply the, what I'll call the celebritization mm. of you and your platform. Once you become that well-known, it would be really easy to get derailed mm -hmm. by popularity, celebrity, mm -hmm. um, lots of temptation, and all that kind of stuff. And we do see this in the history of a lot sure. of ministries and the celebritization of ministries. And um, sometimes you would say, well, the proof is kind of in the pudding. And I think in the long run, for me, Billy Graham sort of manifested integrity and humility mm -hmm. and character, which would be harder to hold on to when you become one of the world's yeah. most well-known people. Right. Um, and, you know, you and I don't know what that feels like. To be a person who is known all over the world mm. and is elevated with st such stature and status, um, and then to hold on to character and humility and integrity, that, like, puts him in a whole different league For as far as I'm term. concerned. Because For the long term. Because he's been in the ele that elevated place since the 50s. It's not, I mean, so to, to stay true to the message and stay true to your character over right. the long haul right. um, is really incredible. It really is. A, it is a special person that I think we can't even fully apprehend because, well, who knows what kind of party was waiting for him in heaven. Well, it's funny you say that. I was just thinking about that. Think because, of all those people. Yeah, it's we can only so imagine cool. this. Um and we don't know how it works, right? But we could maybe have a little bit of fun with the an analogy. I mean, imagine the celebration of his home going. Yeah. Um, imagine. I mean, I can't help but think, uh, again, I really appreciate him, so I may be at risk of embellishing. But, boy, I can't think of a person for whom God's saying, well done, good mm. and faithful servant, would be like, you know, I mean, just incredible. And then... Um, you know, years ago I was having breakfast with a friend of mine who has, has had a lot of impact around the world mm -hmm. from an evangelistic standpoint. 
and it was just the two of us and we've had this warm friendship and I made a joke and I said to him, Hey, you know what? I'm really glad that we get to spend time like this because when we're in heaven, I'm never going to get to see you (laughs) because there are going to be so many people who want your time because they want to thank you for the impact you've had Mm -hmm. on their life to helping them get to heaven. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just happy to say I know you now. And I'll just like wave from the back of the line when we're in heaven because there's going to be so many people who want to thank you. So that was with a friend of mine. Imagine the sort of scenario for Billy Graham. Oh, man. Well, if you haven't heard a sermon of Billy Graham or read a book or whatever, now's a great time to pick it up because, like David said, just the message is timeless, and we hope that that will be hopeful and encouraging to you, as, of course, it's been to us. Amen. Thank you for Billy Graham. Talk, y'all. Talk, y'all. Talk to you guys next week. Hopecast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. We're glad you joined us this week. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.